This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It is 57 degrees. The clouds have rolled in after a nice clear night last night. And we're remaining in the mild temperatures for another day or so in spite of the storm system moving in and followed by a cold front for today 100 percent chance of showers thunderstorms could have some heavy rainfall but the high today in the mid 60s quite substantial wind gusts as well the governors of both new york and pennsylvania are urging residents to be mindful of the weather as what is left of tropical storm nicole is expected to sweep through the region with moderate to heavy rain and strong winds winds into Saturday. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf's office says the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation and Emergency Management Agency have been preparing and residents should be on alert for flooding on roadways and in low-lying areas. PennDOT Secretary Yasmin Gramian says that crews have been preparing for days by clearing out debris around the drainage inlets and under bridges. Pennsylvania Emergency Management Agency Director Randy Padfield says based on current forecasts, widespread flooding was not expected, but motors should be aware of the possibility of water across the road and plans and plan out several routes to get to their destination. Commonwealth officials yesterday said they were expecting the heaviest rain in the northwest region of the state, but much of Pennsylvania would be getting between two and four inches. New York Governor Kathy Hochul's office says the largest rainfall totals of two to three inches are expected in central New York, the Finger Lakes, and western New York regions, along with the Tug Hill Plateau. Winds were expected to gust up to 40 miles per hour with those higher wind speeds downstate. The latest forecast from the National Weather Service office in Binghamton is calling for up to three quarters of an inch of rain today with wind gusts up to 24 miles per hour and up to two inches of rain overnight with wind gusts up to 29 miles per hour. Something to bear in mind, if it were colder, one inch of rain would translate into 13 inches of snow. City of Binghamton police are investigating a stabbing incident in broad daylight in a residential neighborhood. The attack occurred at Lydia and Marie Streets at around 2.45 yesterday afternoon. Police, people who were nearby said a man got into a dispute with someone he knew and one of the men shoved the other. That's what apparently sparked the stabbing. A man was described the, the scene, said the injured person appeared to have been stabbed numerous times in the neck and head, but in spite of the wounds, he was able to talk to the police and medics. He was taken to a hospital for treatment. The suspect walked a short distance from the scene of the attack and went into a two-family house on Lydia Street, refusing to come out. Lydia Street was closed west of Murray Street as the police negotiated with a man, urging him to leave the house. This morning, the city police had no new information to add. On this Veterans Day, the city of Binghamton has a new initiative to help pair transitioning active-duty military service members, veterans, National Guard, and reservists into civilian life with training and job opportunities provided in the construction industry. The city is providing $50,000 in funding for the New York Helmets to Hard Hats nonprofit in the first municipal partnership with that group in New York State. Helmets to Hard Hats offers Department of Labor registered apprenticeship positions in the construction industry to military service members returning to the civilian workforce. Veterans are able to learn the skills that are needed in the highly demanded construction field. They're able to work full-time while using their GI Bill to supplement their income during training. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram's 
office says the $50,000 in city funding will support outreach and marketing efforts, including recruitment events. The money can also go toward the books and tools that Binghamton veterans will need in their apprenticeships. The funding from the city of Binghamton, if approved, would come through the city's allocation of American Rescue Plan Act funding. It is being presented to the city council work session on Monday. WMBF News Time 908. The Shenango County Health Department is advising residents there have been several cases of rabies identified in wildlife in the Norwich City limits recently. Health officials say any wild animals acting strangely and in close proximity to residential areas should be considered dangerous. People are reminded to avoid contact with wild animals, have pets vaccinated against rabies, and take measures to keep pets away from wildlife, including keeping them on leash when outside a fenced yard. Authorities say if you're pet comes in contact with any rabies and suspected animal while it's hard to resist do not handle your pet if your animal needs attention wear gloves long sleeves and use extreme caution health officials say you can be exposed to rabies from the lingering saliva on a pet's fur pets should be isolated and the saliva allowed to dry this will kill the rabies virus In spite of the warning about rabies, officials stress people should not kill animals that look healthy out of fear. If a wild animal is acting abnormally, you should report it to the authorities. In Shenango County, to report a suspected rabid animal, call Shenango County Environmental Health at 607-337-1673. One problem wild animal is the skunk. Officials say residents should not trap and relocate skunks. Doing so spreads rabies to other areas. If you have a nuisance animal, call a professional wildlife control agent. If you or a loved one is bitten by a wild or domestic animal, wash the exposed site immediately with soap and water, seek medical attention, and report the bite to public health officials. WMBF Newstime 910. WMBF Twin Tiers forecast today, 100% chance of showers and thunderstorms by the afternoon. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall, windy gusts up to 24 miles an hour, a high in the mid-60s. Tonight, 100% chance of showers and possibly a thunderstorm. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall, windy gusts up to 29 miles per hour, low in the mid-50s. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall, wind gusts as high as 25 miles per hour per hour, the high near 60. Sunday, 30% chance of rain in the morning and snow showers, then a chance of rain showers, otherwise partly sunny on Sunday, a high in the mid-40s. Mostly sunny on Monday, a high in the low 40s. Tuesday, partly sunny, a high in the low 40s. Currently, it's 57 in Binghamton. It's 912, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. What did he say? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! Okay, well, hold your horses. Do it live on NBM. In a crowd in a city like Walmart. Undercover on the edge of the road. It's a step across at me. With eyes that look but cannot see. 
Radio, WNBF, our first name is News, and we break news. You want news first, fast, accurate? This is the place. News Radio, WNBF. Anyway, uh, Friday, and uh, Fridays are fun days here at the station, so we will make the most of it. I think you'll be pleased with what you're going to hear. One special feature... America's most unpredictable historian, live, Jerry Smith, live, coming up in about an hour, a full hour of talking about the Binghamton history. So if you like the Binghamton history and even the history of the entire region, tune in for Jerry Smith live with his um, historic takes. Coming up next hour here at WNBF also, uh, you'll hear some news about a story we've been following now for several months. The news breaking coming up later this morning. So if you enjoy follow-up, sometimes people say to me, uh, Raj, how come you guys never follow up on stories? To which I say, first, don't call me surely, and we do follow up on stories. And you will hear a follow-up to a very interesting story that uh, we've been covering for quite a while now. And that'll be coming up later this morning right here on WNBF, the station that really gets it done. We really get it done. Like the people at the Miller Auto Team in Vestal on the Parkway, including Nick Tamaris. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Super. How are things? Very, very good. Very, very, uh, very busy here this morning and very nice. Nice, nice day out there today. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful November mornings I can recall. It, you know, it's not bad out. I drove down, and there's still a little bit of foliage on the, on the trees out there. It's nice out there, and we got the service lane, the service driver. Everybody's getting in their oil changes in this morning all busy, and we got folks out on the showroom floor. So, yeah, it's, it's nice out there. It's happening. All right. So what should people know in terms of uh, new cars? What are the latest updates from the wide world of Honda? Yeah, yeah. Well, nice thing with Honda is we got new models coming out. They're always changing and always adapting and making things really, really nice. We got new Pilots, new Accords coming out. We even have a really good selection of Honda Pilots here, Passports here, so anybody looking to get in the four-wheel drive. And, you know, something interesting, I was talking to my, my Aunt Jackie comes in every once in a while, and she was here the other day, and she has a Hyundai Kona that she absolutely loves, and she leases it. And she was telling me some of the nice things she loves about her lease. She gets super low payments. She gets a brand-new car every three years. Uh, her She's warranted, so if she ever has any issues, just comes in. We take care of it, if there are any. And uh, nice thing is she gets a new color car <laughs> every three years. So you could do a, you could do a lot, a lot of cool things. We have pilots, passports out there. We got great lease programs on them, and uh, my gosh, you even have uh, things like five hundred dollars lease loyalty. Come back and lease another Honda. You got five hundred dollars towards your next purchase to take off. So Honda's got some really cool stuff going on today. Excellent, excellent. And you and the Miller Auto team will be uh, serving the public till six p.m. Absolutely, yeah. Today, Friday, always a good day. We're going to be here today till six. Saturday, we're going to be here till four o'clock. 
Monday we start it all off again, uh, and on Monday we'll be here till 7 o'clock in the evening. All right, Nick Tamaris, thanks for checking in. Hope you have a great day today and tomorrow, but also schedule in some time to relax so you can enjoy yourself at, at some point during the weekend. <laughs> usually Sundays. <laughs> exactly. Day, off, so. day of rest. Usually- when people come in and they say, you know, have a great weekend, I'm like, you know, I'm going to be here working. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the people the people need those opportunities on Saturday. If if people are, are busy throughout the um, throughout the work week, people do need an opportunity to pop in on uh, Saturday over on the parkway. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. And, and even I have one customer. She even texts me, uh, Margaret. Uh, and I don't know if she knows how texting works, but... Usually I'll get text from her at 3 o'clock in the morning when she has, like, a thought of a new car. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, watch out. I'm going to start doing that. I, you know, you'll, you'll be like, oh, there's a, there's a text at 3.33. It's either Margaret or Bob. Right. Oh, yeah. And I, and I don't mind it. You know, I totally get it. You know, she has a thought. Maybe she's up and she doesn't know how texting works. But, you know, we're, we're 24-7 sometimes. <laughs> there you go. It's sort of like the news business. Well, yeah, absolutely. you got to be there. That's right. <laughs> I, I can get text, you know, a text at 2 in the afternoon or 2 in the morning. Nick Tamaris, Honda Sales Manager at Miller Motors on the Parkway. Hope you do have a great day and enjoy your Sunday to relax. And you too, and thank you very much. We take, appreciate it. Take care. It's nine nineteen. Listening to News Radio WNBF ninety two one FM twelve ninety AM, and streaming live at WNBF Grammy winner. Long distance dedication from Timmy to Herschel in Atlanta on WNBF, your favorite long-distance dedication station. Hoover and by my suitcase, trying to find a warm place to spend the night. Heavy rain falling, seems I hear your voice calling, it's all It's 9.22, Bob Joseph live at WNBF. John in Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Uh, that's that's uh, one of a handful of perfect records ever made. Oh. And, you know, by the way, <laughs> I thought, because this, this song was going to be coming out of the shoot anyway, uh, out of the first break, both because I love Georgia and I love Rainy Nights, so um, I thought, and then I looked, oh, wait, we have several people on on cue, but the person who actually, so I went out of order, the person who actually would have something valuable to say about that song would be you. So I, trust me, I, I knew, I knew that you would have uh, um, unqualified praise for that song. Uh, yeah, and the recording, uh, recorded at Criteria in Miami. Uh, a friend of mine uh, actually bought the board uh, from Criteria. Uh, and that board recorded everything from that song to uh, Aretha Franklin to the Eagles, 
one of these nights, and uh, it ended. He never ended up hooking it up. It ended up <clears throat> in his uh, uh, garden house, uh, gathering dust. But uh, uh, the, the the as you know, Bob, the audio equipment, uh, especially analog equipment, uh, has a sound all its all of its own. Uh, for example, the early uh, Al Green records they they were recorded on eight track uh, in Memphis, but that was a tube tube type. So when the drummer was going, you could see the tubes uh, changing color. It was uh, it's quite something. In fact, a, a guy that is now in uh, located in Morris, New York, he's dead. His wife runs the business. Sell, uh, was the king of selling used audio equipment. Uh, and he moved uh, from uh, Westchester County up here. And he used to specialize in old Ampex 8-track tube-type uh, recording records. Uh, but that's not what I called them. I know. I'm intrigued now for the, the reason why you called. And uh, I'm surprised we haven't heard more about this. I think you've mentioned this uh, on occasion in the past. But this is uh, a timely topic. Uh, congratulations to the city of Ithaca. They have voted to go to the city manager form of government. Uh, this government is not, uh, it's a proven form of government. New Rochelle, Auburn, uh, Geneva, uh, Yonkers, all have city managers. Uh, and, uh, you know, the last reforms and perhaps the only reforms made by the citizens uh, we're in the city of Binghamton, and that was cutting council. Uh, Jack Sheehan was the proponent of that. His proposal was to cut it to five. Uh, they they ended up cutting it to seven, uh, saving the city hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is now negated because they raised their own pay. Uh, also, term limits. That was uh, one person gathering all the signatures, Don Parker, and uh, election lawyer Douglas Walter Drazen that had a fight, Rich Bucci and Elaine Miller and Rich David, all the way because they were using city money to protect, essentially, to fight against the citizens uh, from uh, implementing a resolution that passed. Now, the city manager form of government, look, these mayors are just politicians. They want to run for higher office. They want photo ops. They want to take in transfer payments and and claim that, you know, this is somehow uh, because the state or federal government uh, is providing money for this or that, that this shows that they're a leader. And they're uh, neglecting the the basics of uh, Binghamton. The the city of Binghamton currently has de facto city managers. It has the Corporation Council and the Comptroller, both of which are very fine people. And that's why you see uh, these these jobs usually don't change hands when a new mayor comes in, because they're the people that are running the city. And uh, this is a solution. It is a solution whose time has come. Uh, it's a solution uh, that needs to be implemented, and we can save millions. But I'll go you one better, and I'm going to reveal this more and more. Uh, I call, uh, and, and, and see, here's the problem. In 95, we, we've had all these promises of, of turnaround, but we haven't had any implementation of any kind of meaningful term, turnaround, uh, particularly in the mechanics of local government. You know, every time they, they talk about shared services or this or that, whatever comes down from uh, the New York State Council of Mayors or the New York State Association of Counties, uh, School Board Association, you know, they're big on it. we got to do this. And, but but these, these solutions have not addressed the problem that we have uh, this huge go- local government 
that needs to be slimmed down uh, so uh, people can deal with it. Now, my solution is this. Move from a city to a town government, the town of New Binghamton, if you will, as opposed to the town of Binghamton. Once the town of New Binghamton is established, I, uh, the taxes will be reduced between 30 and 40, to 40 percent. Your county tax bill will go up probably 11 percent. But essentially what it would do would be to transfer over police protection to, uh, uh, to the, uh, road patrols, everything, investigations, to the sheriff's office and the New York State Police. Now, people say, well, if we do that, crime will be up. Uh, no, 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 unless you're uh, uh, starting with the premise that New York State Police and the Broome County Sheriff's Department offer inferior services, and that's just not true. So we can, we can, we can do this. Uh, we can... We can even have a paid fire department in the town of New, uh, New Binghamton. And the, the, the towns are huge governments, you know, Long Island and some places in upstate New York. So there's no problem in uh, uh, replicating the city uh, under a, a, a town government, the town of New Binghamton. Uh, and this, this is what is needed, Bob, uh, to uh, stop the inefficient mechanism that we have here. Now, we have... And let me just give you one more key reform. Uh, we have, I've talked about going back to the Board of Supervisors, but the city of Binghamton and the county legislature are the only governments that do not have at-large representation. All these other places, Town of Union, uh, Village of Endicott, they all have at-large, no districts. Now, Binghamton and the county legislature have districts. Uh, you can, if if you don't want to have, say, 15 at-large county legislators, you could have a portion of those legislators at-large. And all this gerrymandering has led to no political opposition. Most of these uh, uh, legislative seats went unopposed this year. And if you had at-large uh, representation, uh, you would have uh, vital political competition that you see in the other forms of government. And this is true in the city of Binghamton. So uh, we need to reform it. The power structure wants it as it is, but we have a faulty mechanism. We have a faulty machine here, and there is no one that is successful. Now, this goes back to 95, to Anatech and IBM. Wait, before, about city manager, because um, I'm just wondering, so how could, I mean, can people in Binghamton make a move like they did in Ithaca because I'm looking at this uh, the results of Tuesday's vote in Ithaca to create a city manager and the numbers show it wasn't even close 79% right. of the people who voted on that proposal voted in favor of a city manager in Ithaca so how could that happen here in Binghamton it's simple uh, the citizens can put it on the ballot but the council uh, can put it on the ballot uh, start the wheels turning at the next meeting so you're uh, telling so me Giovanni Scaringi, or one of the other six members of council, Angela Riley, or one of the other members of council, any one individual council person could actually put this proposal out and sure. and 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 put run it up the flagpole to see if city council would salute and give the residents of Binghamton, the the fine residents of America's parlor city, ultimately the option of. Uh, deciding whether to create a city manager position. Absolutely, and that, that could be on the ballot as early as uh, the next election in November. Well, then I'm and staying I mean, on. I'm, I've decided I will stay on through the end of 2023, John, because now that is going to be interesting. 
And you heard it here first. You heard it on live radio on Friday, November 11th, 2022. This is where it it, uh, was first heard on the radio. And and by the way, the council retains all approvals. The city manager is just an administrator that runs the stuff through through the council and gives the council the options or say there's there's no option here but it's it's look look at what happened in Ithaca and I'll tell you exactly what happened Savante Myrick got a lot of national press and he he did what was good for Savante he got a huge job with Norman Lear's uh nonprofit uh it, it served it didn't all his tenure in office didn't serve the people whatsoever so now the people that are going to fight it are going to be the Jared Crams and all the 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 people uh, that want to be mayor of the city of Binghamton, uh, you know, so they can go on to higher office. But it's not good for the people. So uh, and, and you know you can't say that Ithaca, New York, uh, that the population there is uneducated. So, in fact, I would I would submit to you, John, that some of the most educated people in upstate America live in Ithaca. You might not like all of their political views, and to be sure. Sure, it's viewed as something of a progressive city or lots of so-called liberals, but still, they're very educated. Oh, and, and by the way, you, you get all the same, you know, whether you're a town or a city, all the money that passes through uh, to local governments, you can honor Section 8 vouchers, you know, you're not hurting the poor or anything like that, uh, and it's time and if I, I will say this, Jared Cram should get on this issue, and he, he can be the last. He could be the youngest mayor and the last mayor of the city of Binghamton. It would be. It would go down in history. Yeah, yeah. but that, that's the bank. All that's right, the bank. Thanks we'll, for the bucket. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what the other viewers have to say. Nine thirty-four. WNBF. Debbie and Endwell. Good morning. Larry and Kirkwood. You're on. Oh, good morning, Robert. What's up, Blair? Wow, that was a long wait. <laughs> anyway, you know that's man, the but I, you know that's the story of life. Yeah, it's either hurry up. It's somebody told me once when I was a young reporter for a lot of things. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up. You gotta gotta go to the scene of breaking news. Then you have to wait around for hours, days, or weeks before the information is released. That's the story of reporting. Hurry up and wait. So, you know, if you have patience, patience is a virtue, as many doctors have told me. He said, the more patience you have, the more money you make. So, there you go. So, what's on your mind? I got three comments. First one is about rainy night in Georgia. I love that song. So beautiful. Isn't it Thank just just one of the nicest, nicest songs from 1970? Yeah. Second comment. I absolutely love it when that historian comes on because you just light up with this guy. I mean, you guys just yak your heads off and you just love, you just love yakking together. I mean, I don't, I've never seen you so animated as when he comes on. So that is our comment. And you still there? I'm afraid so. Oh, okay. Number three, the election counting. What a bunch of losers these people are. They're going to make, I, I heard the statistic, one state is going may not have the results for a few weeks. That is ridiculous what they I was listening last night to uh, Mark Levin 
weeknights from 6 to 9 here on WNBF. Man, what a bunch of sore losers. I mean, every after every election, it seems to get worse. The losers seem to get more and more uh, disgusted and disoriented. That's what concerns me most is that if you're in politics or sports or anything else, even the radio business, I mean, it, you know, there are winners and losers. And I'm not saying it's fair, but that's the story of life. And uh, I was listening to Levin. Even I, I caught a snippet of John Hannity yesterday. And talk about a sore loser. Good grief on a stick. Um, and then the former guy, he seems to be melting down. And it's, um, it's disturbing. You know, the, this country this country was not founded by sore losers. This country, America, was founded by winners. Well, I won't debate you on that one, but... Well, because it's absolutely true. Look at the founding parents. Can't say founding fathers. The founding parents of this great nation. They weren't a bunch of sore losers. We didn't get the thing that we wanted. No, they were... They were the Americans. The founding parents. Regardless of gender, Georgina or Georgette Washington, whatever, I'm telling you, they would be saddened if they were alive in 2022 and heard all the sore loserships. Well, anyway, it's just ridiculous that the voters of America have to wait for days and weeks. They always reason. have. Don't make it sound like this is a recent innovation. They always have. They always will. You know, that's, until until we have a country, until we have a country of about five people, it's going to take time to get these certified results. They should know it by election night, and that's all right. Is. All right, come on, Larry. All right, see you later. Bye bye. <laughs> they should know it by election night. They never know it by election night. When there's a close race, when it's uh, very competitive, the final results are never available by election night. You could look it up in your funk and wagnalls or whatever it was that we had when I was a kid. 607-772-1290. Feel free to call in for lively discourse. And also email the program, Bob at WNBF.com. Looking for News Radio 1290 Bob Joseph, back to the phones. Debbie in Endwell. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi. Um, what's the deal on the basketball uh, that you're not going to uh, broadcast this year? WNBF is not broadcasting basketball this year. I can't believe it. You guys, I mean, Roger Neal and the whole deal, and you had such a... It was a tradition. It was a yeah, rich okay. tradition. That was good. It was I fabulous. Mean, uh, I know. So, so it's not going to be on anywhere? Well, I can't speak to anywhere. I uh, the only thing well, I, I, I ESPN. I didn't even know that Binghamton had an ESPN channel. Oh yeah, ESPN twelve ninety. Um, no, I don't. 
I don't know. All, all I know is it's not on WNBF, and I, for one, and this is, by the way, this is personal opinion, I, well, for one, I, yeah, I don't, what I'm about to say doesn't represent the views of anyone except for the it. host. I, for one, am very disappointed. Uh, yeah, well, that's the point. That that is the point of this call, right? I mean, people people did listen to it, and I know. It, I mean, it was kind of a hoot because, uh, um, I mean, it was it was it, it was a good political and a good um, you know it was a good thing for the community. What the heck, you know? I know. Since IBM left, I mean, they're, they're the only horse in town, and you right. know. It's um, if you're not connected somehow, somehow the way everybody was connected to IBM, um, you're really kind of out in the desert here anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad. It's very sad. I was and Roger Neal. I mean, I look forward to hearing him. Oh I mean, yeah, that well, kind of stuff. he's still he around. Be... I I saw I know, him. I saw him a few that, days ago. It doesn't help me unless he wants to broadcast through my, you know. Well, maybe he will. Maybe he'll set up, you know, the Roger Neal network. There you go. So anyway, okay. Well, my vote is boo. So I hope. All that, right, you know, my personal vote again. This but, does. But my my I vote is the same. I'm with you. Okay, let me just ask though. Um, um, it, it it is Sunni's choice, right? I mean, this this is something that I can you know call your station about. It's the it, it was taken out of your hands. In other words, oh, I have no idea. I yeah. You know, no. I, the only thing I can tell you about this station. I, I don't know how this station runs. I have no idea how the university runs. The only thing I know is they tell me I have to be here every day yeah, from 9 to it. noon. So, I get it. Hey, know. listen, i got to tell you, my kids live in uh, Newton, Mass., right down about half a mile from uh, um, the Red Sox from Fenway. And I, it cracks me up every time you say, you, you know, something about the Red Sox. So that's kind of fun, too. <laughs> well, I'm, so. gl- I'm glad that that brings a little bit of uh, a glimmer of humor in yes, an otherwise yes, bleak so, landscape. Anyway, I hope you get there this summer. So okay, okay thanks. So, so I'll be listening and see what happens with this. Oh yeah, stay tuned. Thank you you never know. Opera. Thank you. Thanks. Nine forty-five. WNBF with Bob Joseph. Just another cog in the wheel at News Radio WNBF. Ron in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Speaking of basketball, I have something uh, serious to say. Uh, you know, there's a philosopher, it's, uh, I'll paraphrase what he said, uh, although it's been said by many people in different uh, countries and such, and that it is that if we don't learn from history, we're condemned to relive it. And there's something happening, um, very pernicious, very ugly, uh, right in our country, and uh, really all over the world, and, and that's... I don't know if it's the rise of or it's just, uh, you know, uh, perked up, but anti-Semitism. I'm talking of anti-Semitism. And uh, when your previous caller called about basketball, I did think about Kyrie Irving. Of Oh, that guy, that anti-vaxxer and the guy. Who, I don't even know. I mean, you know me. I'm a big basketball fan going way back but uh Kyrie Irving you know I mean he's an anti-vaxxer so there was that so that was last year's controversy because he you know I'm all my other teammates can go get vaccinated and blah blah and so he missed lots of games and then um this year with his antics what can I ask you just point blank what do you think is wrong with him 
what, what I have no idea what's wrong with him, but, uh, you, you know, uh, Kyrie Irving is an example, and we have another, in fact, bigger example, uh, and that's Kanye West, now known as Yee. Uh, Kanye West also coming out with anti-Semitic rhetoric. Uh, You know, we've got a major anti-Semite who's been speaking in this country for a long time, and that's Louis Farrakhan. And we look at him and we say, well, he is real. He's a real oddball and whatever. But then you think, okay, Kyrie Irving and Kanye West. And Bob, on Saturday mornings, uh, I drive. Uh, up to the farmer's market. And the way I drive down there, I go down Riverside Drive. And it every every Saturday, as I drive by the Orthodox Temple, there is a police car there. Now, that's good that if there's a police car there, but it's awful that there has to be a police car. Wait, where is they have a police car? Where? Right in front of uh, the temple... Not Concord, but the other one, um, westbound a little bit. Oh, Temple Israel? Months. Yeah, I guess that uh, if that's Temple Israel. I think. Field mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a police car there every Saturday morning, as there is uh, uh, in many, uh, uh, many cities throughout our country now. By the way, I misspoke. Temple Israel is across the river. Well, I misspoke. Okay, so this is a temple. I, I'm not. I forget the name of the temple, but uh, you know which one I mean. It's on Riverside Drive, and uh, so what what we're seeing uh, is very ugly. And you know, we we talk on this show a lot about deniers and how you think. How can in 2022, with all the information out there, how can there be Holocaust deniers? But Bob, there are. And that is because uh, we don't learn from history. We don't even know history. Talk about condemned to relive it. It's, these people are seeing it and feeling it for the first time because they're idiots. Oh, so by the way, so you're referencing Beth David's synagogue, correct? The Orthodox. Yes. Yeah, yes, that's a little further west on Riverside. Okay. Yeah, Beth David. And there's there's a police car there and it. You know, and it's there every Saturday because I drive there routinely every Saturday and I see the police car and I say, oh, this this is where we are in 2022. We're, we're over 75 years past World War II. And now it's not like, well, that still exists. It's, it's like it's on the rise. Now, uh, it, all you have to do is... Uh, Follow what some people are saying out there and seeing the attacks on temples. It's 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 horrible, and I think all I I just wanted to mention this to to make people aware that this is real. There's still potency to it, and uh, you know we to say we have to do something about it. I mean it it, it exists in minds and hearts. So how do you do that? Yeah. Well, what we, uh, I think, should have is political leaders of both major parties uh, speaking out more uh, frequently and more directly, um, indicating this is unacceptable. That would, be, that would be a start anyway. That wouldn't fix the problem, but there needs to be, I think, more attention paid to it by our leaders. 
local, state, and national. Bob from Vestal, good morning. They're too busy lining their pockets. You people still haven't figured politicians out, have you? Oh, come on, man. I figured out politicians when I was six months old, man. You think they really care about anything? You people are so naive. I I have to call. And Kyrie Irving's uh, American. He can do what he wants. Don't be telling him to get a vaccination if he don't want one. I'm sick of your uh, little uh, liberal... You know, like Joe Biden, do what I say, man. You can be more talking about Trump being a dictator. This guy here, man, unbelievable. I really, since that election, I've hardly watched the news. It's, I'm done. I've been watching reruns of Three's Company in the morning instead of watching that madness. I just, I, I don't understand that. How those liberals, and now they're going to cheat. You know they're not going to give the Senate up. What episode of Three's Company was on? Uh, Let me see. Roper. I forget. I'm really not interested in Roper. I think you have a better idea of what I'm interested in. So, please. He was the best part of this. You're saying Roper was the best part of the show? Come on, man. That's not why. That's not why it was such a runaway success in primetime America. Come on, man. I love watching Chrissy run around. Don't get me wrong. You don't ever question my hetero. But uh, yeah, Roper was playing the way he mocked Jack for being gay, and, uh, even though Jack wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I just I wasn't going to call anymore. But then I heard you going on about. Yeah, I'll buy you a hundred. I'll buy the keg at Round Top. If Republicans take the Senate, I swear to God, I would bet somebody a thousand bucks on that that it ain't gonna happen. All right, KBS man, KBS. That's why I want. I want a keg of KBS up at Round Tops. You were saying a while ago that it's always been like this. No, it hasn't. We used to know the results of an election that night. Don't start this. It always happened like this. It didn't always. This is another liberal strategy to steal it. I know it. So we're never going to win another election, I don't think. Wait. Wait, hold on. Let me write this down. Conservatives will never win another election. Yep. They're gonna. They're letting aliens in that are gonna vote for them, and and I'm sick of people. Oh, Democrat or public people are voters are smart. No. What about Bat Boy? You know, Weekly World News. They had cover stories about aliens and Bat Boy. If Bat Boy came to New York, would he be able to vote? I don't even know what you're talking about, Bat Boy. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just it's sickening, you know. When I go to the store and spend twice as much as I used to, and and these people, I heard a, a commentator like Levin or one of them going, why are these people voting against their own self-interest? What is wrong with them? You know why? Everybody's got food stamps and stuff. They're not looking at their wallets like I have to. You know? They're just, hey, I will take this <laughs> Uh, it's a sad situation in this country. Oh, it is, but uh, don't let don't let it get you down, Bob. Oh God, I felt so a couple of days ago. I was going to jump off my roof or something. I just wait till China takes us over. Maybe they'll make it better or something. I don't know. I'm just disgusted with it all. All right.
Later. All right. Have a good weekend. 9.55. Bob Joseph live. WNBF. You want be- On News Radio WNBF, Stump the Historian, Gerald Smith is now in the studio. Good morning, Gerald. Good morning, Robert. <laughs> and I'm ready for every and anything. Okay, we'll entertain all callers. Indeed. At 607-772-1290. Today is the day that yes. we set a record number of calls for Stump the Historian. I've got my tally sheet ready. All right. Be ready. To call in and win an opportunity to stump the historian. Get your hands on your telephone dial. The legendary. Well, we don't have dials anymore. No. On your telephone buttons. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. This is News Radio for America. WNBF Binghamton and WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 60 degrees at 10.04. The forecast for today, not looking good for the weekend, unless you like to sleep. A lot of rain headed our way. We're waiting for that system to start moving through this afternoon. Forecast is calling for a 100% chance of showers and thunderstorms. As we get into the later afternoon, some storms could produce heavy rainfall, a high in the mid-60s. Wind gusts up to 24 miles an hour, and that rain continuing through the night tonight, possibly picking up as much as two inches of snow. And as we've been mentioning this morning, it's something to bear in mind. If this were colder and this is falling in the form of snow instead of rain. One inch of rain equals about 13 inches of snowfall. City of Binghamton Police today had no information to add about their investigation into a stabbing incident at Lydia and Murray Streets that happened yesterday afternoon. Witnesses say two men got into a dispute about quarter of three and one man stabbed the other in the neck and head before fleeing into a two-family house on Lydia Street. Police responded at 245 and reporters noted heavy police action in the neighborhood. They closed Lydia Street west of Murray Street while the authorities talked to a man inside the apartment house. The stabbing victim was taken into a hospital. Police early today said they had nothing new to offer about the, how the negotiations with that suspect ended or the condition of the stabbing victim and referred inquiries to the Department of Administration or the Detective Division. Village of Waverly Police are investigating the death of a man whose body was found at Waverly Glen Park. Authorities were investigating a report of a suspicious vehicle in the park at 85 Moore Street yesterday when the man's body was found in the afternoon. Waverly Police investigating officers responded to the park with the assistance of the Waverly Barton Fire Department, New York State Park Police, and New York State Forest Rangers, who started their search and rescue effort in the park area and then found the man's body. Police say at this point no foul play is indicated. The man's family members have been advised of the death. WMBF News Time 1006. Taxpayers in Broome County are closer to getting a small break on their bill next year, but they're not quite there yet. The Broome County Legislature has passed the 2023 budget that contains a tax decrease of a tenth of a percent. On September 14th, County Executive Jason Garner presented his spending plan that contained the fifth straight property tax cut. That budget was adopted in a special session of the legislature yesterday. Legislative Chairman Republican 
Republican 5th District Legislator Dan Reynolds issued a statement saying, quote, cutting property taxes, investing in infrastructure and public safety are critical. Finance Committee Chair, 1st District Legislator Steve Flagg, says legislators were able to work closely with the executive's office, the department heads in the county government, and the Office of Management and Budget to go over the proposed spending plan line by line. Garner, who became Broome County's youngest county executive when he was elected in 2016, says the fund balance has grown from $240,000 in 2017 to $35 million by the end of 2021. Last year, Garner's budget called for a tax reduction of 0.12%. The ledger is now handed back to Garner for a scheduling of a public hearing before it gets the executive's final signature. WMBF News Time 1007. A Binghamton program that provides addiction recovery and health services is getting millions of dollars from New York State to develop 54 units of permanent supportive housing for veterans and individuals with mental illness or substance use disorder. Governor Kathy Hochul yesterday announced Helio Health was being awarded $4.9 million for the gut rehabilitation of a three-story building in Binghamton. Helio Health President and CEO Jeremy Kymansky said that the funding is critical to bring dozens of housing units to the larger project that consists of 108 units of affordable housing. The Syracuse-based Helio Health last May acquired the former shelter workshop building on Court Street and some adjacent properties in Binghamton for $2.25 million with plans for a $57 million housing project. Hochul says $30.6 million in New York State funding is going to six housing projects in four counties, all aimed at providing supportive housing for New Yorkers who have experienced homelessness. The developments are supported by the New York State Office of Temporary and Disability Assistance Homeless Housing and Assistance Program. WMBF News Time 1009. Unfortunately, some Veterans Day commemorations this evening may have to deal with some pretty bad weather. The forecast for today, a 100% chance of showers and thunderstorms by late afternoon. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall, windy gusts up to 24 miles an hour. A high in the mid-60s tonight, a 100% chance of showers and possibly a thunderstorm. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall, gusty winds up to 29 miles per hour, low in the mid-50s. New rainfall overnight tonight between 1 and 2 inches possible. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall. Wind gusts as high as 25 miles per hour, a high near 60. Then the cold temperatures come slamming in for Sunday. 30% chance of rain and snow showers in the morning. Then a chance of rain showers, otherwise partly sunny, but a high only in the mid-40s. Mostly sunny Monday, a high in the low 40s. And Tuesday, part sunny with a high in the low 40s. Currently, it's 60 in Binghamton. It's 10-11 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Stump. The historian. It's it's time to really stump this historian. Stump him good. Yeah, stump him down, stump him deep. I have no idea what that means. Talk over the vocals. Let's take it over from the top. Let's see. Take two. Oh, okay. So we'll do this, you know, fix this, and then in the West Coast feed, they won't have to hear all the 
clear imperfections. Coming down the line in three, two, one. Now, WNBM proudly presents Stump the Historian with Gerald Smith. And they're going to stump me good and stump me down and stump me deep. All right, uh, lines are open. Operators are standing by. Uh, what is the uh, what's our goal this hour? Oh, Sorry. at least uh, eight calls. No, I'm not talking about oh. calls. Money. Oh, money. We're about the money. Uh, money. Twenty two thousand eight hundred ninety two dollars. Money talks. No one walks. Darn, darn right. All right. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Okay. Um, first of all, what were we going to talk about? We were oh. during the news. We had like seven topics. Yes, that we, we did. Oh, I know. It came up on the news or somewhere. People were asking. Um, uh, has has there ever been in the uh, this area? We'll yes. call say Broome County yes. a state senator who was a Democrat. And the answer is yes. Yes, yes and it we took did. Took us a while to find because it's a name unfamiliar to most. Although he was from Endicott at li- the time, yeah. Yeah, he lived in Endicott, and his name was Orlo Breeze, B R E E S. Yeah, and he was only in for about ten, ten and a half months in a special election after Senator Floyd Anderson. Resigned his position to become appointed to the Supreme Court in New York State. And then that fall, with the regular election, Orlo lost to Senator Warren Anderson, son of Floyd Anderson. So there. Because until I did the research, I was always under the misimpression that that Warren Anderson... Uh, immediately succeeded his dad in the Senate, and it turns out not quite. Not no, ten, ten and a half months from February to, until January. So now, December thirty first. So now that the voters now have decided after all these years of having Republicans in the yeah. state Senate from Broome County, now we're going to have a Democrat. Yeah, I heard that on the news. Yeah, I think I think her name's Leah Webb. Leah Webb. And she served on the Binghamton City Council, I yes. remember. Yes, she did. I, yes, she did. Years ago. Uh, not that long ago. Well, maybe that's why I was in still terms of historians' it. minds. Yeah. yeah. Well, but so she was on City Council. And yeah. then, um, who am I thinking? Oh, Rich David. He, he was um, mayor for he, eight years. Yes, he was. And now he's not. So now what is he doing? I don't know. Right. He's... Looking for employment. I know what he's going to... And I can't say on the air. Okay. okay. Sworn to secrepsy. Oh, okay. He just sipped his lips. <laughs> I, well, I think I slurped his drink. But. Slurped my moxie. But yeah. uh, I think I know what he's going to do. But okay. I can't... Okay. Sworn to secrecy. Are you? Are you really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're making this all up, folks. Like it's, yeah. All right. We have no idea. So, anyway. Well, let's take... What the heck? Let's okay. take a call. Let's live dangerously. All right. Good morning. This is Bob Joseph with Jerry Smith. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? My name is My name is John, and I want to talk about the holiday fair that is being held at Our Lady Good Council Church it's, uh, on Main Street. Wait, in when, when, when did that happen? 
Well, it has been happening now. Well, oh, no, this is the history hour. This is the history hour. Can you call back next hour? Huh? Yeah, this is the history hour. Can you call back next hour? We're only talking about history, so call back next hour if this is something that's going to happen now or in the future, okay? Okay, thank you. And let that be a lesson to you. Yeah. Don't live dangerously like me. It's almost like working with Bill Parker, and we'd always get the one strange call. That you wasn't strange. That was just not the right There time. was a full moon the other night over on election night. They had a full moon. Yeah, and yes, there was. Somebody told me it was because of the full moon. That's why it was taking so long to count the votes. I think that's just because that's the way it always happens. Well, you're a historian. Yes. And to that point, because I've heard some people bring this up, that it didn't used to be this way. That uh, It's always been this way. But why? Jerry? Because... First of all, the polls don't close till 9 o'clock, and then someone has to sit there and start counting. And then they have to keep counting. And unless you make them go until, like, 8 o'clock the next morning, it's going to take a while to find out. Imagine the days before, you know, you didn't know who you won the election because it was covered by newspapers. This is pre-television, and it would take sometimes a week or two before the results are final. I remember a Broome County Sheriff's race where it took literally, I think, six weeks to determine after all the absentee ballots were in and the military votes. And the the candidate won by literally one vote. But it took that amount of time to get it actually correct and certified. So for those who somehow think elections were always done by midnight on a Tuesday, they never have been. Um, it's like for those who think they used to dredge up the river to redo it. No, it's one of those urban legends, but it, it's because it, it takes time to do it correctly, and that's what we want them to do. Hmm. Interesting. So there, and that's the truth. Okay. Well, if you say so, you okay. cer- you certainly have no reason. No. I mean, if you look at the election results, that's why in the Constitution it took until so many months after the elections to get all the elections results in, certified, and counted correctly, because it took time. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that, because for a time, some of these people almost had me convinced that the results of the elections were always known by, like, Some states do it faster than others. Florida has a fairly streamlined system where states like Arizona and Nevada don't. But that's been sort of the way that they've handled it for decades. Do you remember in 2000, though, in Florida when we were introduced to... Which is why Florida revamped their whole system of counting votes. Because I, I was, uh, I found it offensive always hearing all uh, this, uh, that one guy with Chad. his magnifying glass oh, and him. looking, and they kept talking about pregnant Chad, and I'm thinking, how did that happen? No, no. There must be I a story. It was a hanging Chad. No, they also had pregnant Oh, that's Chads. right. They had pregnant Chad. And I'm too. thinking, you know, how Don't do you sh- explain that to the kiddos? Well, I mean, which is, which is why Florida revamped the whole system, well, and it's much goodness. more efficient now, but that was literally, that's 22 years ago. Huh. Well, live and learn. Yeah. 607-772-1290. We'll take all calls dealing with history, I might add. You know, I mean, we we try... Try to to stump me. Ask me a question. See if I know. Ask the toughest local historical question you can think of. And I'm sure you can fool me, but we'll see. I wouldn't be so sure of that. You are brilliant. (laughs) 
I make up really good sounding answers. Yeah, and you write some good scripts here on the teleprompter. Oh, well, thank you. Gerald Smith, the most brilliant historian in the history of the world. <laughs> Indeed. Only you on read, WNBF. You read that well, Bob. Well, let's read the uh, number uh, on the teleprompter. Again, um, what is the goal for this hour? $12,000? Uh, uh, no, 22000 Okay. So we're, a, we have a high level. Yeah. We, we've set a high goal. We understand the goal is very ambitious. I got property taxes. Here we are with less than 40 minutes to go in the hour, and so far we have zero dollars in donations. Oh, okay. We better get our our, our, our keisters in, in right. action here. Because without your support, yeah. we just can't continue. So they should call area code 607-772-1290. Or they could email you at bob at... WNBF. Daddy needs new shoes. 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, Gerald Smith on one bold radio station. Looking for... Ten twenty four. Bob Joseph live with Jerry Smith. We're playing stump the historian. He so far is unstumpable. <laughs> That's because I haven't had any questions yet. Oh yeah. Oh well. But we'll try. We'll see what happens. Okay. Here, here goes one to the west side of Binghamton and Gary. Good morning. You're on the air with Jerry Smith. I'm so relaxed with that song. I just want to listen to it. I know. I'd like to, to too. I'd like to take five take because five. they're Let's small. Take. You know, we all need a little Dave Brubeck in our lives. Really? Remember Take Five oh, with Ken Wilson? But yes, I do. Gary, do you remember Take Five with Ken Wilson on the radio? I don't think I was around here then. Oh, okay. They had this. He was a car dealer? Yeah. He yeah. used to have that uh, iconic yep. car dealership building over on the parkway before some guy came that. and tore it down. I remember when the guy right. came and tore it down. Anyway, he had now a thing on. New, what do they got look. there? Oh yeah, the new look. Yeah, that's a that's a real beauty. That's a real beauty that they replaced that iconic <laughs> piece of architecture. architecture with yeah, jeez. Well, Bob, one day they're going to tear that down and say, "Oh, they're tearing down this beautiful building." Right? It all depends on. Yeah. Well, all, all the people who love that that Chili's architecture. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Fast food and America. The bed place, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Bed, bath, and Gone. take five. No, bed, <laughs> bed, bath, and take five. Okay. Well, anyway, that's this not why I called. What's on your mind, Gary? So, I got a question, Joe. You probably get this one. Me and Bob talk about this the uh, the other day for a little bit. Uh, do you know who the first rabbi was in Binghamton? Well, I should because I just wrote a column about it, which will appear in about a week and a half, um, about the early Jewish immigrants. Oh, shoot. Because the first synagogue is Sons of Israel Synagogue on Wall Street, 1899, before they built their big one in 23 on Exchange Street. And the name escapes me. Louis, does that help? Could be. Louis Ginsburg. Louis Ginsburg? It would have been 1899. Because before that, there was the uh, Hebrew Benevolent Society. Uh, right. Okay. But before they formed their own synagogue. so But the name is gone. So, Lou, according to what I know, Louis Ginsburg was 
the first rabbi in Binghamton. Okay. And unfortunately, he was murdered in 1899. Oh. On Susquehanna Street. Okay. That would be something for me to research then. Yeah, you better look that yeah, one up. Yes. Look at, I'm, I'm... Because, because here's something else, Jerry. Yep. It, and a two part question Who was his son? A very famous person from Binghamton. A talented musician. You got his last name. Well, yeah, I do. I was going to say Mr. Ginsburg, but that would be a little too. Uh... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. No guess? No. How about if I gave you a clue? He could play two instruments at one time. No. Oh, Drake. The violin, the violin and the piano. Really? At the same time. Elton John. No, Elton John's not from Binghamton, though, no. is he? Sol Ginsberg, better known as Violinsky. Does that ring a bell at all, Jerry? Well, wow, it doesn't, actually. Okay. Yep. Maybe a little research, and this will be a new thing to open up on. That could it's, be. Uh, it's a very interesting story. Yeah. And he could play the piano and the violin at the same time. Cool. And there's video to prove it. Hmm. Violinsky. Sol Ginsberg. And I'll look up Louis Ginsberg, too. Yeah. In, uh, they're buried on floor 11. So, in interestingly, uh, according to the Internet, which could or could not be accurate. He was born in okay. Kiev. He was born so, in Kiev, yes, on yeah, July fourth, okay. eighteen eighty-five, which then was part of the Russian Empire. Right. Probably, unfortunately, maybe in the future soon, part of the Russian Empire again. So that was July fourth, nineteen eighty-five, and he died in Binghamton, New York, on May fifth, nineteen sixty-three. Saul Violinsky was a pseudonym for Saul Ginsberg, a violinist, pianist, composer, and songwriter who came to the USA in 1901. He was a music director uh, for the Williams Brothers in Pittsburgh and a vaudeville entertainer, as well as a violinist in the New York Symphony. And uh, so he was responsible. He had plenty of... Um, Popular song compositions. Yeah, he wrote back some songs the for the Marx Brothers. Yes. Marx Brothers. Uh, Milton Berle hmm. he played with. and uh, Yeah. But here's another interesting fact. Okay, so he was born on July 4th, right? 1885, you said? Yeah. In Kiev. His dad, his dad the first uh, rabbi, was stabbed to death. In his, he had a, uh, a butcher shop. I think it was on Susquehanna Street. But he was stabbed to death on July 4th. 1899, uh, the big stack of newspapers here. Um, the Binghamton Press in 1932 had a picture of him on page 5, and it says, Saul Ginsberg, songwriter, is home again as two new tunes sweep the country. This would be, Jerry, I'm telling you, this would be a good column in Sounds the Press like. Sun Bulletin. Saul Ginsberg of Binghamton, known to Broadway as Saul Violinsky, composer of When Francis Dances With Me and Honolulu Eyes, 
two great hits in 1922. Don't, don't laugh. I've heard of both of those yeah, songs because my mother sheet You like Ragtime. Yeah. You like Ragtime. You like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a big story. He was back in Binghamton to uh, visit his sister, who was still here. Okay. And so, yeah, check out that story back in the Binghamton Press from 1932. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hi. Hey, I'll be down to pick up my prize. I'll see you guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good, good luck with that. I'm going to have to go over to the certificate company and buy a stack of certificates. Yep. Uh, Pete from Johnson City. Good morning. You're on the air with Jerry Smith. Yeah, I want to talk about the uh, homestead. I did homestead. And what about it? So was that the one building that was red? Was the whole thing at one point all white? Um, the answer to that is yes and no. The, the original Crocker Mansion, the, the brick building portion, was originally the pinkish red brick. And then for a long time when IBM operated it, they had painted it white to match the two additions to the building. Uh, when I think they sold it off or transferred operations over to Marriott, Marriott uh, cleaned the white paint off the Crocker Mansion and brought it back to its original color. So for many years, probably most of the people in the community, if they grew up in the, say, the 30s, 40s, 50s, would remember it as being an all-white painted complex. Okay, then I was right. Okay. I, I thought I remembered that. So. Yeah, it was, it was white for a long time. Uh, not originally, but then it was white for most of its, career, its lifetime and then uh, went back to the brick color in the 1980s. I see they're in the process now of starting on so they just right near where the red building is. So they got that. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, the demolition has already started. I can tell you as of Wednesday, uh, the cornerstone is over at the local history center in our climate control vault. Yeah, with, you know, with the time capsule in it. Because I saw the last time I saw it, uh, that a kid uh, who who's the new historian that young uh, that, whippersnapper, that young whippersnapper, Roger, Roger, uh, but what's his name? Naked man in my chicken oh yeah, the chicken oh, Luther, Mister Chicken Coop. Roger Luther. <laughs> Gee, I hope he doesn't listen every time his name too, comes up. You know, Roger is going to give me yeah. another look. So he was there. Yes, he was uh, at at the thing when because they had a big photo op a few weeks ago. Yes, and yes. and so I'm looking at the that cornerstone, the 1951 cornerstone, yes. which was from an edition. And uh, I said something to Jason Garner as Roger Luther looked on to keep an eye on the thing. I said, is it okay if I take this for safekeeping? And almost in unison, Roger Luther and Jason Garner said something to the effect of, like, no. No way, buddy. So, so. It's, it's there, and we brought it up for our board meeting. Yeah, in fact, because it's the cornerstones laid the year before Thomas Watson died, and his yeah. there's a lot of verbiage on the time capsule, along with an engraved uh, replica of Thomas Watson's signature. Okay, thank you, Pete. Thank you. When were they supposed to open the time capsule? In the spring, when they had the groundbreaking yeah, for the new apartment. Been announced yet, it's going to be in the spring, right? Okay. Great. Listen to WNBF for comprehensive coverage. Yeah. Take care. Yep. That was a great phone connection, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, as they say, could be worse. 1034, 
at News Radio WNBF. Remember, we have only 25 minutes left, That's and our, right. our goal is uh, $2 billion. That's right. So we still have, what, look at the tote board. How many? Um, zero. Zero. Zero dollars. So come on, people. 607. Come on, we can do it. We're, I'm poor. I need help. We're, we're close. <laughs> we're close. Daddy needs some new slippers. That's right. It's Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. <laughs> Deep dish pizza. Oh, I wish. Oh, yeah. You, Those days are gone Yeah, for you me. can't. No, I can't. Okay. Well, but then. I fit into my clothes a lot better. Yeah. You're, you're looking good. Yeah. Someday, maybe I will, too. But yeah. today ain't the day. No. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available to you on the very free WNBF app. You wash your hands. deal is right here at WNBF with Bob Joseph and noted historian Gerald Smith. Your goal is to stump the historian at 607-772-1290. Gene from Vestal, good morning, you're on the air. All right, we lost Gene. Bob from Vestal, good morning, you're on the air. Hey, Gerald. Hey. Hey, I got a question for you. A couple of my buddies worked at Fairbanks Valve 50 years ago. Okay. Do you know the history of that place? Uh, yeah, basically. Uh, the, the original, the, the main plant is up or was up in Vermont, uh, and they opened up a branch operation off of, obviously, Maine and Glenwood there in about... I want to say it's either like 1901 or 1902, uh, and it kept it expanded several times on that site until uh, it was torn down mm, early 1980s, I was going to say, because that's when they created Foundry Plaza, and that's where we had a branch library locate there. Um, but they did all sorts of valves and parts. Uh, we have... Uh, well, it's in storage in the vaults at Robertson, but we have the Fairbanks sign that was affixed, a huge brass sign that was affixed to one of the buildings that their uh, last maintenance man took off and presented. It weighs about 200 pounds, uh, so it doesn't go up very often. Uh, but they uh, they turned out all sorts of valves and parts for valves, uh, for about 70 years on that site. Yes, so 1901, you say it started? It's here? either about 1901 or 1902. It was early 1900s when they opened the branch here in Binghamton. Okay, I was well, thinking maybe it was like 18 something, but I guess it was after. Well, the, the company itself dates back to that, and they think they're uh, up in Brattleboro. Uh, in fact, they had a museum up there for a while because when they closed down the plant, we ended up with too many donations out of the remaining buildings, and we set a lot of that up for their museum up in that area. Uh, all right. Well, cool. I always wondered about that because my two friends worked there way back in the 70s. Well, why did they close it down? Uh, the economy. Uh, it was 
there, there was a lot of jobs like that going overseas, and a lot of what we would think of as like the smokestack industries were dying away. So they consolidated all their operations up in Vermont. Huh. Yeah, typical story, right? Mm. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Jerry. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there you go. So the thing is, what what really frosted my flakes was they had a fire over at the Fairbanks Valve right. uh, shortly after the highly publicized closing. Um, no, the state office building fire. Oh, which is an 81. Yeah. February 5th. Yeah. So, so yeah, because I think, I want to say 88, 89, 90, somewhere is when they shut down, because I know that's when we were dealing with the, the donation of material. Yeah. Now, according to this, doing a quick search, which is the best way when you're on live radio, they had a, an advertisement in a special section back when there was something called the BC Open, and they had uh, they submitted an advertisement to the newspaper and said, Fairbanks Valve, since 1907, okay. Fairbanks has been manufacturing valves in Binghamton. That's, that sounds right, because I know it was in the early 1900s. And listen to their shocking claim. Are you sitting down? I'm sitting down, actually. Good thing. We manufacture the best bronze and iron valves in the world. Well, they were highly regarded. All right. It was a very big company. Very, very cool. Very interesting. Now, of course, the price choppers. Yes, right on that site. Yeah. And, and they're no longer calling it Foundry Plaza, I don't believe. Really? I don't think. I was going to mm. see what the sign said out front. Well, isn't that a shame? All right. Well, I missed that. Me too. See? All right. We'll be taking more calls. Stump the Historian continues on this Friday in November, 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph with Jerry Smith on WNBF and WNBF.com. Even though people were... WNBF. Stump the Historian continues. John from Windsor. Good morning. You're on the air with Jerry Smith. Earth to John. Earth to John. You're on the air with Jerry Smith. This is WNBF Binghamton in the USA. Hi, how you doing? Good. So, uh, Take as much question. time as you want. We're on till noon. All right. My question is, this might be easy for you. It might not be. Uh, where did Rod Sterling grow up on the west side? Uh, 67 Bennett Avenue. Correct. Well, now, thank you. <laughs> although he was born in Syracuse, and he came, his parents moved down here when he was two. John, did you know him? No, I did not. I'm too young to know him. I know who he is, but. Did you hear they, they're going to build a, a statue, a larger-than-life statue, wow. over at the Bethoven Street? Or it's not on the Bethoven Street side. It's over on the Laurel Avenue side of uh, Rec Park. Plus, plus, there's the feasibility study going on right now. Of course, that's the third one we've had. They didn't, How mention, come? They didn't mention that in the news. Because yeah. when I was chair of WSKG, we had a couple ones done for that. So what do you think, John? Should they do it? Should they honor Rod Serling? Or in, let's be formal. Should they honor Rodman? Rodman, Rodman Serling. Rodman Serling. Absolutely. Regardless of cost? 
stockpile, even if it costs taxpayers millions and millions of dollars? Well, we, we might have to talk about it then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, uh, I agree. The question I have for you, that house that still stands there, is that the original house? Yes, yes. But okay. it's privately owned, and they've never wanted a historical marker on their property. And that's certainly their right, So, which is why there's no marker there. Alrighty. And his father ran a deli uh, in Binghamton and died like Rod did, fairly young of a heart of heart disease. Okay. All right. Well, I got to run. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was close. Yeah. But no cigars. No. Thankfully. Rodman Edward. Yes, I was going to knew it was Eve. I couldn't remember what the middle name <laughs> <line> was. <laughs> so. And his brother. Robert, who wrote a number of books on uh, aviation history, and then he wrote one called The President's Plane is Missing. Oh, that's right. Because he, uh, he spoke to us when I was a student at Shenango Forks. Robert Jerome Serling. Okay. And he was born in Cortland. Really? What year? 1918. Okay, so let's see. He's no longer. He's with older us. than Rod. he was older. Yeah, but he lived to the ripe old age of ninety-two. Yes, according to the internet, yes. he died in twenty ten in yes. Tucson. Yep. So interesting man, interesting family. I've met well, both uh, Carol, the widow, and and both daughters. Well, I'm waiting. For that uh, statue to get built, yeah, and then I can pose next to. I like to see the performing this at the center because I knew what the plans were. Uh, because one son. And where is that going to be? Well, that's what the feasibility study has to determine. Where do you think it should be? In Binghamton, one of the plans was moving it out, and the Serling family said, "No, it absolutely has to be in Binghamton because that's where he grew up." It should be on the west side. They should do it on Riverside Drive. I know exactly the place. It's an expensive house, but, you know, money talks. Well, this would be quite a big thing with parking and uh, no, this is TV and radio studios, oh, sure. digital libraries. Oh, sure. The money's no. No issue? No issue. Okay. So I, I know the property. Actually, I used to live near there. And I uh, – actually, I know the guy who owns the place. Uh. He, he might be ready to – I think he's listening. He's like, Bob – you don't conduct but negotiations, these sensitive negotiations on the radio. It's Sometimes like, you do. Well, maybe you do. Maybe this is the catalyst to yeah. get it done, as opposed to a feasibility study that might last seven, eight, ten years. Years ago, um, when there was no playing field at West, what was then West Junior, they had a meeting because Willis Sharp Kilmer's farm sort of surrounded it, but he refused to sell them any land. And so they had a meeting at the auditorium with all the students, and George F. Johnson and Kilmer were on stage, and Johnson stood up and said, I'll give you all the money for all the playground equipment you need. Willis, you're going to give them the land, aren't you? <laughs> and they said he stood up and he stormed off the stage, but then he turned around and gave them the land that's now used for their, their uh, playground, the little fields right there. I never knew that. Neil McLean told me that story because he was a student at West Junior at the time. They said the kids were just laughing at Willis Kilmer and he was not a happy man. Was Willis Kilmer a good guy? You can talk freely now because no. I... Okay. Well, that's what I, I just, you know... His, but, but his middle name was Sharp. Oh, yes, he was. <laughs> Business-wise, he was very sharp. 
Uh, human relations-wise, not so much. And yet he gifted us with this fabulous newspaper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So well, started because they... He wanted to drive another rival newspaper on the ground for writing a true story about he having an affair with his ward. Of course, a question really presents itself. I mean, was that, I mean, it may have been true, but was it really newsworthy? Uh, that's another issue. See, that's, a, that's an issue. A lot of times people say, well, Bob, how come you're not writing stories about this and that? And it's like, it's, it's it not a, really newsworthy. It's a salient story. Well, it's it's sort of. Yeah, people have private yeah. lives, and yeah. to, to that end, what what public good would be served yeah. about... He did treat the Newsies quite well. As he should have. But not his own family. Well, I'll certainly say he was no Frank Gannett. No, he was no Alan Newharth. Okay. And, and he certainly no whatever fill-in-the-blank, the name of the guy who's currently in charge of Gannett. I don't know. The U.S. Today he, Network. Even though they pay me. Well, you... Yeah. I should By the way... Done. Yes. By the way, to that end, yeah. Oh, the Friday edition. Did it, they got the is. pictures of the rock bottom bridge there? Binghamton's. I, and I'm just opening up now. This is a real paper. You couldn't do yes, this. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's a real yeah. paper. A real paper. I, printed, I submit to a real paper. Printed somewhere in Rochester, not in Rochester, near Rochester. Yeah, at an undisclosed site. That's right. A secure facility. But it's a paper with a paper and yeah. stories. Page 3A, Southern Tier Throwback, Binghamton's Rock Bottom Bridge. The, I have not seen these pictures before. They're cool, aren't they? They're beautiful. Yeah. So here's what I say to you, yes, to sir? all the home viewers out, out there. Go to your favorite newsstand. And buy a copy. Buy 10 copies. Okay. 35 bucks, and then you can save these. And my guess is if you... Stop by the station here, drop off your 10 copies, and the next time that Jerry is here, I'll have him autograph those 10 copies. There you go. And then I'll give you a call when they're ready. Yeah. They'll be collector's items. In fact, this Sunday, because I just looked it up for a talk I gave, will be my 450th column. Thank you. Of spanning time. I know. Thank you. Because I looked how many weeks, and I went, wow, and I haven't missed a week. You're so. prolific. Thank you. Yeah. Martin from Binghamton, you're on the air with Jerry Smith. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Jerry, I loved your one about the railroads about a month ago. That was great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay, but I'm calling about uh, the top of uh, Carlotta Drive, uh, actually in the side of the mountain, Prospect Street. Yes. Um, uh, which would be Kamikaze Curve. As children, we would go up there, and there was a gate. That was in the side of the mountain. Yes. And we went in there as kids, you know, exploring. And, boy, it was huge. It was like a big L shape, and it was damp and dark yep. in there. And we heard it was a ammo dump for Star Manufacturing, which was um, where St. Searles and Daniel Dickinson was. It, it, uh, th that's a great story, but it's not true. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it was... It was a huge in-ground sort of wine slash liquor cellar for a private owner uh, who owned that chunk of land and had that built in because uh, it wasn't too far from the steps that led up to Ely Park, um, and That's it was right. it was there until uh, the Route 17 expansion in sixty seven sixty eight period. Uh, but yeah, it. Uh, it was used b below that on what's now Spring Forest Avenue, used to be called Cemetery Avenue, was the Binghamton Brewing Company, and they brewed liquor 
there for a time and use that for storage, and then it went into private hands. But no, not Star Avenue. Star Star, uh, Revolving Company only lasted for four years, and this wasn't put in until about 10 years, 20 years after the war, Civil War. What years was that in existence? The um, Star Revolver? Star, yes. yes. Uh, they opened up a branch in 1862. They closed it in early, uh, like January, February of 1866. They they okay. kept their they kept their uh, long rifle company in New York City going, but this was a branch operation. All, All right. right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Now, uh, also on the first ward, and it's up near. As they would say on TV, Eli Park. Yeah. Um, yes. I don't know why they would say it as Eli Park, but you can yeah. You yeah. say Levi, I say Levy. I say, anyway, yeah. uh, you say tomato, I say tomato. So, having said that all, what is the story about Union Park? There's a Union yes, Park. Yes, there is. I know, this is coming right out of the blue. But yes, it it's, is. It's ripped out of a future headline. R- ripped out of a phone call you gave me. Yeah, I mean, there will a be a story about this, so remember, yeah, you're, and, you're under oath. And I'll be honest, I didn't know of Union Park until some radio host called That's me. Some journalist. Yeah, some journalist. That's what he calls himself. Um yeah, it's a small area with a tennis court that apparently several unions contributed to construct. I think it might be just one union. Is it just Teamsters. one union? Yeah. Oh, Teamsters. Okay, well, it's a big union. Local number seven. Ah, but, um, and it was put in, Bob, when was it put in? 19... Well, nobody seems to know. I even called I... the mayor of Binghamton, and he couldn't find out. I he, know. He, uh, I had to look it on, on Google Earth just to find yeah. it. He checked with the guys at the, well, probably not just guys, probably the guys and gals in the Parks Department. And apparently nobody who's currently with Parks and Recreation knows right. uh, the, the true history of, of the park. But I believe, I'm led to believe that it happens in probably the late 70s. So here's yeah, the thing. Sounds- if, right. Uh, I will... I will be doing a little story probably next week. I've been sitting on it now for about um, a couple weeks because I've been trying to find out some information, and uh, information about Union Park is uh, hard to come by, so I'll put that out there for listeners next hour. Yes, because somebody out there might know the whole story. And it's weird because it's right on the uh, line of the city of Binghamton and the town of Dickinson. Absolutely. So for what that's worth... Literally on the line. Yeah. Yeah. So now, hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's it's one of those. It's one of those. Mysteries. It was not in my list of official parks that Walter yeah. Irving did back in the 70s. All right. But, but, Mayor Jared Cram in an email told me it's it's basically a hidden gem. So I'll include that quote. There you from, go. Because because he knew where it was. Okay. I mean, because when you go up to well, yeah, if you go Ely up to Park Ely Golf Park, Course, right you there. see it, yeah. but there's no sign. Right. So it's like, you know, there. how about this? I can start a fun drive next time you're here to, okay. to buy a sign for, for, Ely Park, uh, for, for Union, Union Park. Park. Yeah. I, I think it shouldn't cost idea. that much. Our, okay. listeners, our listeners could cup. I'd say like a nice sign, probably 200 bucks. Yeah. There we go. Joe from Binghamton. Good morning. Yeah. Who's this, Joe? Yeah, what the, what's going on there? You listening to another show? Uh, <laughs> I was, I was, 
Okay, my question is, as far as Fairbanks concerned, uh, then Jared, Mr. Smith, didn't they uh, make uh, heavy or industrial scales and like uh, heavy duty carts, trams, like? The main plant up in Vermont made most of the scales. They did some scales here, but most of theirs were gears and valves down in this area. Uh, but oh. they did do some. Not the huge scales. Those seem to bend up in the Vermont plant. Okay, I thought I see Fairbanks names on them scales. Oh, you do. uh, You do. But a lot of that was up on their Brattleboro, Vermont plant. About them heavy-duty carts, were they... I don't, you know, I don't know about that because we had so many of their industrial drawings and such, but I never got a chance to um, leaf through them because there was about yeah. three hundred in the collection. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, we'll continue that discussion. Yeah. The historian Gerald Smith is scheduled to return December ninth on News Radio WNBF. Gerald, it's been a pleasure. Uh, sadly, uh, we. We're unsuccessful with our pledge drive. Uh, Zero dollars in pledges. Next time, Union Park. Sky's the limit. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too, Bob. It's 11 o'clock. News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. A wet forecast for the next few days. Today, 100% chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms, high in the mid-60s. Of course, the whole thing has to do with the remnants of a tropical storm. The governors of both New York and Pennsylvania are urging residents to be mindful of the weather, as what is left of tropical storm Nicole is expected to sweep through the region with moderate to heavy rain and strong winds into Saturday. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf's office is saying that the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation and Emergency Management Agency have been preparing and residents should be alert for flooding on roadways and in low-lying areas. PennDOT Secretary Yasmin Gramian says that crews have been preparing for days by clearing out debris around drainage inlets and under bridges. Pennsylvania Emergency Management Agency Director Randy Padfield says based on current forecast, widespread flooding was not expected. But motorists should be aware of the possibility of water across roads and plan out several routes to get to their destination. Commonwealth officials yesterday said they were expecting heaviest rain in the northwest region of the state, but much of Pennsylvania getting between two and four inches. New York Governor Kathy Hochul's office says the largest rainfall totals of two to three inches are expected in central New York, the Finger Lakes, and western New York regions, along with the Tug Hill Plateau. Winds were expected to gust up to 40 miles per hour, with higher wind speeds expected downstate. The latest forecast from the National Weather Service office in Binghamton is calling for up to three quarters of an inch of rain today with wind gusts up to 24 miles per hour and up to two inches of rain overnight with wind gusts to 29 miles per hour. Now bear in mind if it were colder and the rain was coming in the form of snow, on average one inch of rain equals 13 inches of snow. City of Binghamton police are investigating a stabbing incident in broad daylight in a residential neighborhood yesterday. The attack occurred at Lydia and Murray Streets at around quarter of three in the afternoon. Police who were nearby said a man got into a dispute with someone else that he knew. 
Witnesses said one of the men shoved the other, and that led to the stabbing. A man who was described at the scene said the the injured man appeared to have been stabbed four times in the neck and had area. In spite of his wounds, he was able to talk to the police officers and the medics. He was taken to a hospital for treatment, his condition not known. The suspect walked a short distance from the scene of the attack and went inside a two-family house on Lydia Street, refusing to come out. Lydia Street was blocked off west of Murray Street as police negotiated with the man and urged him to leave the house. As of this morning, city police had no new information to share, including on how that situation with the suspect was resolved and the condition of the man reportedly stabbed. On this Veterans Day, the city of Binghamton has a new initiative to help pair transitioning active-duty military service members, veterans, National Guard, and reservists into civilian life with training and job opportunities in the construction industry. The city is providing $50,000 in funding for the New York Helmets to Hard Hats nonprofit in the first municipal partnership with the group in the state of New York. Helmets to Hard Hats offers Department of Labor registered apprenticeship positions in the construction industry to military service members returning to the civilian workforce. Veterans are able to learn the skills that are needed in the highly demanded construction field. They are able to work full-time while using their GI Bill to supplement their income during training. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram's office says the $50,000 in city funding will support outreach and marketing efforts, including recruitment events. The money can also go toward the books and tools Binghamton veterans will need in their apprenticeships. The funding from the city of Binghamton would be coming through the city's allocation of American Rescue Plan Act funding and is being presented at the city council work session on Monday. We have a very lengthy and complicated forecast for the weekend with the remnants of this tropical storm. For today, a 100% chance of showers, thunderstorms by the afternoon. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall. It'll be windy with gusts up to 24 miles an hour. High today in the mid-60s. Tonight, a 100% chance of showers and possibly a thunderstorm. Some storms could produce heavy rainfall. Gusty winds up to 29 miles an hour. The low in the mid-50s. The new rainfall amounts for tonight between 1 and 2 inches possible. Saturday, mostly cloudy. A 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Storms. Some of those storms could produce heavy rainfall. Wind gusts as high as 25 miles per hour, high near 60. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Bob Joseph live, Friday morning, 607-772-1290. Number to call if you want to talk on our radio program. You've had a great week. 
We are pleased to be presiding over this live local talk program. Let's hit the phones now. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's Beverly for the Child of Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Never better. Well, I was choking earlier. I was coughing terrible, so I couldn't call. The nurse was here when it happened. Uh, do you remember uh, Indian Springs? Ever hear about it? I have not. Well, it was up near uh, Ely Park. It was a spring, <coughs> and it ran downhill. And uh, we used to go up there. We used to eat lunch and then run back down the hill. <coughs> yep, it was like Indian Springs. And when it was hot down here, we used to go up there and sit on uh, on our little blankets. And how much how we, much did it cost to get in? Nothing. They charged nothing. A, that's right. It was just a running spring. Really? So who? Uh, spring and water. So who ran it? Who was who? What what company was in charge? I. I I don't think anyone was Bob. I think it was just the just the spring where the Indians used to go down and get water hmm. and stuff. And uh, they uh, uh, in the in the olden days they used to call it Indian Springs because that's where they used to go down for water. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what uh, the other viewers know about it because yes. and when it was real warm down here in Binghamton we used to walk up the hill we used to walk up to the power line and we used to go go left we'd get up there and it was nice and cool up there and when we thought that it was well sometimes we'd stay up there all afternoon until until oh I don't I don't know about three four o'clock and then we'd come home but we always had an adult with us. All right. Well, I'm going to see what I can find out, and uh, if uh, anybody else knows. Salamanders used to, used, to, used, hmm. to, used to swim in there. All right. Well, uh, you've managed to stump me, so I will uh, try to find out something at, at some point, and maybe some of the uh, other people who are tuned in right now will know as well. Uh, this is true. If you go up behind our house, all the way, all the way up. Now, us kids used to come up. You will find um, a little burial ground, but uh, with sticks in there. You know, with uh, with crosses. You know, stick crosses. So we we never knew whether they if they if they buried their there are tribes there, or who was buried there? A dog or or an animal that was buried there? We never knew. And when we see when we see when we seen the crosses, we didn't go near. We didn't go near them. Now there was about three or four of them up there. And uh, I don't know. I do not know whether if uh, if the highway took them out or not. I don't know, Bob. 
All right. Well, I'll find out someday, uh, or at least I'll try to find out. I appreciate your call. Okay, bye. And that is the story from the Down of Dickinson making contemporary news. The, um, yeah, that particular part of the town, I'm looking at some of the um, maps or the view of the satellite pictures. So I I see the general area of uh, of, uh, of interest. So I don't know about that. There were remains, I believe, of Native Americans a short distance from there that were ultimately moved uh, near what is now Otsenango Park. I believe when the Department of Transportation was building a rest area from Interstate 81, I believe they did remove some remains and rebury them as part of that construction project. Bob Joseph, WNBF. When I had- WNBF, WNBF.com, with Bob Joseph live on a Friday morning. Well, it was uh, about a year ago when a very unusual event transpired in the town of Union, just off Airport Road, the... uh, Greater Binghamton Sports Complex, which was uh, being rebuilt uh, after the original air-supported dome in Choconut Center collapsed because of snow. Well, uh, as the rebuilding project was underway in late November of last year, on a windy Sunday evening, some steel sections at the construction site came tumbling down. Fortunately, there were no injuries, but that was uh, another setback for the Greater Binghamton Sports Complex. Joining us now, the owner of the Greater Binghamton Sports Complex, Bob Cashew, and a lot has happened over the last 12 months. That's true. Yeah. That's right, Joe. Yeah, by the way, we have kind of a, a bad connection. Or it's uh, If uh, you can get near a window or whatever, we've got kind of uh, a squeaky cell connection there. Okay, let me uh, try, but uh, uh, is this any better? It is better. I can I can hear you now. Uh, so, yeah, that was what a, what a um, terrible night that was. I think it was uh, right around Thanksgiving time last year, a Sunday evening, and you had a, another another setback. And I, I know we talked shortly after that happened. The ma- major thing there, despite all the, the damage at the construction site, somehow miraculously nobody was hurt. You know, the, the contractors were working on Friday night or uh, finished work on Friday afternoon. And then uh, and then they just they went home. Obviously, they they did what they thought was right. And then uh, Saturday, nothing happened. Sunday, nothing happened. Then we had a burst of wind, uh, burst of wind come through town. And uh, unfortunately, the steel was not uh, properly braced. Or, uh, you know, the sequence that they went through was not kind of the, the intended one. And uh, we had uh, some of the steel that was erected 
blew down. Luckily, obviously, nobody was there. Well, you were there, though. You told me you were there at the site about 90 minutes before this collapse. That's right. It was interesting because I was up there. We had the, some teams that were using the outdoor facility, and I was there about 3.30, actually, and I walked inside just to kind of look to see. You know, it was it was looking good. You know, <laughs> the steel was up, and it was looking good. And then I left the the property about 3.30, 3.45 or so, and then I think about 10 of 5 or 5 o'clock, I get a call from uh, one of our parents that were on site out on the outdoor field, though, uh, saying, hey, uh, you know, we had a uh, collapse. And that was uh, it was kind of uh, difficult, but uh, we got through it, and then uh, we proceeded to go on. Well, and for people not familiar with, with the earlier situation uh, from, I believe it was December of 2020, when we had that right. amazing, amazing snow. It wasn't even winter yet, officially, according to the calendar. It was still late fall, but uh, the area received uh, more than three feet of snow, maybe about 40 inches or so at the site of the what then was the um, air-supported dome. And obviously with that much snow... That caused the dome to collapse, the original one. Yeah, it was uh, it was surprising, actually, because I think the, the forecast showed about 16 inches. We were prepared. Everything we did what we, was supposed to be right. You know, we increased the – we turned the heat all the way to the max, turned up the pressure. And then uh, about 2 o'clock, I happened to check the cameras inside the dome. There was no signal, so I figured something was, you know, wasn't right. I drove up there. We had about a foot, maybe a foot and a half of snow. I drove up there. And then by 6 o'clock, we had about 44 inches outside the window. Well, that's uh, that's what was weird that morning. I remember going out. Uh, I uh, let the dogs out or tried to let them out on the deck at 3 in the morning. And, and the dogs that usually are playful in the snow, they took one look at it, and they gave me the paw and went back inside. And at that time, that hour of the morning, the snow was coming down at a rate of, I think, five inches an hour. It was uh, a ferocious, heavy snow, the likes of which I had never seen before. So that was it was shocking what was going on there in 2020. Yeah, it was a surprise. It was a lot of snow, and obviously, you know, we it, uh, there's only so much it could handle. And then the, the snow was coming from one side. So, you know, uh, on top of the dome or the structure, we might have had, you know, a um, higher amount of snow than the rest of it. You know what I mean? So that kind of deflated it and caused the damage. And then uh, we had to um, move. We moved a lot of our programs to the Vestal facility where we st I had still owned that one. And... Uh, we were able to patch up what we did, and then uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been about two years. So now, amazingly, over the last several months, uh, construction started uh, early this year, and then uh, just within the last few days, uh, you've sort of started a real soft reopening uh, of the new facility, and describe how this facility compares to the original uh, with the dome, the air-supported dome. This is a different type structure. Well, this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a large steel, uh, uh, prefabricated steel structure. It's a beautiful building. It really is. It's nice and bright, um, warm, big, spacious, 
Um, you could run a lot of activities in it. If we were able to run six soccer, small soccer-sided fields, um, three basically official size 9v9 games, which is part of the soccer community, if, uh, for those that know about it. And then we run a full football field or a full soccer field plus some that would go. But that's, so what's great about it, it's got a lot of space for the siblings, for the parents, for the spectators to be in there. And it's very friendly and the atmosphere, warm, bright, as I said. And we're happy. We're proud of it. It's, uh, it's one of the largest structures on the East Coast uh, of its kind, you know, free span, that is, too, which is a big deal to, to be uh, that, you know, that much of a free span. Um, and, and it's a, really amazing, the amount of space, about 90,000 square feet inside? We have about 90,000 square feet of playing surface. So we're, you know, again, it's a huge, huge uh, um, opportunity for for the for the facility and and uh, for for the area, we do you know and it's a it's a uh, we attract teams from all over that want to play at the higher level, to 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 use such a big space. There's nothing like it in the on the east. Uh, you know and, you know there's some facilities that are smaller uh, size, but this one is a pretty big one from the standpoint of a sports complex. So the finishing touches now are are being applied to the the new facility. Yeah, I mean, well, look, at the, the field is there, the, 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 the heat is there, everything's in order. We still got to do, obviously, some touch-ups. You know, we, we were missing some, uh, uh, maybe some goals here and there, some different things. But we are, like you said, we, we have a soft opening, and uh, we're trying to work the kinks out of it. Uh, but everything's running smooth. Everybody that has been there, they just love it, and uh, we're proud to have it in the in the in the Binghamton area, in the Southern Tier. So, uh, who has actually played there in in the last several days? I believe you sort of started uh, with some operations on November first, thereabouts. We started, yeah, we started with our some of our local teams. They played, uh, you know, different uh, smaller sided games, and then as as uh, time progresses. We we had we played. We tried the bigger uh, games too, which is again it's called the 11 v 11 full field, full soccer, full outdoor soccer field, and uh, and lacrosse. Uh, there's a lot of uh, you know uh, interest in lacrosse. Field hockey will be ramping up in December. Uh, flag football will start this week. So slowly we're incrementing, uh, incrementally increasing. Uh, the activities where we become more comfortable with uh, that everything is in order from the standpoint of, you know, all the little glitches that come along with a uh, big project like that. So not only can this new facility be used for traditional sports events, but you're hoping at some point along the way to uh, make it available for, for other other events that, that could be important to the community? Yeah, we hope you know at some point we get uh, we get uh, obviously all of that is is dependent on on uh, the the uh, regulations and restrictions, uh, but we hope to allow for possibly a a boat show or something like that, you know, or some kind of a a low impact uh, shows or, or or conventions or something like that, because I think in the area, my understanding that there's always there's a lot of a lot of interest in 
in holding him here, but the we do not have the the proper facilities for such a thing. I had a friend of mine that was in Syracuse uh, at a, at a small show, and he said, "Hey, when you open up, these people would be interested to come to Binghamton because it's a it's a uh, uh, properly located facility as, as from the standpoint of our intersections of obviously 86 and 81 and and all the other high 88 highways." You must be excited now that uh, after this saga, basically uh, uh, the sequence of events that began nearly two years ago, getting things back to some semblance of normal, that that process is uh, almost complete. You're almost at the finish line. It is. It is exciting. It's it's exciting. It's uh, right now. We we get new challenges every day. Obviously, you know, our, our job is to deliver to the the community and to our uh, supporters and, and our friends and, and our basically extended family members that we've, that we've built over the years. And that's what we, we uh, you know, so that's, these are the new challenges now. We want to make sure we deliver to, to the community and, and to, to obviously properly uh, uh, build up the, the business and the facility. Bob Cashew, owner of the Greater Binghamton Sports Complex with the uh, new facility, the newly constructed facility, virtually complete in Choconut Center. Thank you so much for joining us on this Friday morning. Thank you so much, and have a great day. You yeah. too. Take care. It's 1129. This is Bob Joseph, live and local. I encourage you now to call us at 607-772-1290, or if you prefer, send an email to bob at wnbf.com. Joseph Live, WNBF. Tom and Susquehanna. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I just thought I'd give you a call. And Thank you. Tell you I am uh, I am recovering from that uh, a loss. It's official down here. Fetterman and uh, uh, and uh, Shapiro won. Uh, and I I was almost recovered until I had to go and. Uh, get some gas for the car, and then I had a little bit of a relapse, and then I had to go and buy some groceries, and I started to really regress again. And then uh, when they told me that I should be eating beefaroni, that was a good, you know, I used to love beefaroni. When I was a kid, you know, 17, 18, I, was, I lived on beefaroni. I can't eat it now. Well, as, as I used to say, beefaroni is the San Francisco treat. Yeah, no, no, Chef Boyardee. It's Chef Boyardee. Yeah, the San Francisco treat. No, but Chef Boyardee is not. Uh, that's rice aroni. 
Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, man. (laughs) Don't don't toy with me on this. Don't toy with me. I'm 80 years old. I should know those things. Rice-a-roni is the thing from San Francisco. Well, where is beef-a-roni from? If if, if, uh, that's from San Francisco, then where is beef-a-roni from? To tell you the truth, Chef Boyardee was an actual chef down in New York City. Opened his, he used, I forget, one of the real fancy hotels down there. And it was before the war. And then uh, World War II. And then he, uh, uh, he he got the contract and all that stuff. And I was reading something on it. And he, he used to, at nighttime, he would go through the plant and he would pick up four or five cans of stuff, and he would bring it home, and then he would serve it to his to the kids and stuff because they were interviewing the son in that, and they they said, boy, if that stuff wasn't uh, good, he would he would it would be unbelievable. But the man was an actual chef that came from uh, Italy. And his name that? was Boyardee. Boyardee, right? They, well, let's. They that's spelled it, it differently, though. I looked it up. It's not spelled. Right. It's well, they spell it differently on the can than his real name or his given yes, name. Yes, they, they they change that. You know something? You get all these guys. They got that uh, Google. We have more geniuses in this world from Google than I've ever seen in my life. Everybody's a historian. You know, the real historians really had to work for their stuff to get it. Now they Google and they become historians. It's ridiculous. Yeah, everybody could be a smart aleck on the radio. Exactly, exactly right. That show that you got with your guy, he's a, he's a, he seems like a hell of a nice guy, a great historian. I wish him all the luck in the world. And I like the idea, too, of the paper. I love the paper. You know, I'm one of these old-fashioned guys. I, I used to love the smell of ink when I would open up the paper. Me, too. That was one of the things I loved, say, when, when I delivered the newspaper um yeah. when they and I would be usually I'd be the first kid at the, oh, the house yeah. where they dropped off the the papers there in in the Union District of Endicott they they had little vans and on the side it said the press on these vans yeah it's back I when, know I know yeah it's back when the press could afford vans and um what they did is they would drop bundles off and then I would get you my cut them up right oh yeah yeah do you remember do you have the uh, we had a little cutter a little, it was yeah. a round thing to cut open the bundles, and then what I loved on on uh, Wednesdays, like food days, because you had to yeah. put in the inserts. You had to assemble the paper, so you'd make oh, sure you had seventy five inserts, and then you'd put the um, the uh, ads in, and then you'd deliver the papers to uh, uh, news hungry, news starved customers. Yeah, well, I remember the inserts. We used to have to put them in on Saturdays on for Sunday, you know. Sunday was the big thing with that. Oh, but my gosh. And Sundays, you know, I'll tell you what, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the Sunday paper yeah. was so heavy. And I was, that's back when I was like a 98-pound weakling. And so the papers yeah. that I delivered around the Union District during the holiday season, you know, you'd, you'd load them up in two bags because we couldn't afford like a little red wagon to drag around. So I'd no, take my no. 75 papers, and then I'd be drooping down. I'd be hauling probably about 200 pounds of papers on a 98-pound frame. <laughs> hey, it it made you stronger. It, you live, and you're still alive sure. today, right? That, like so they say, what kill you? I was going to say, what doesn't what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 
Exactly right, exactly right. And also, back then, you were able to get the results from election the same day. How come? <laughs> because they didn't have the Internet. See, that's the funny exactly thing. Right. Ever since Al Gore invented the Internet, the, yeah. the uh, breaking news, I don't care if it's election results or anything yeah. else, it's gotten slower and slower thanks to the Internet. I thought just the opposite was going to happen. But now look, you know, the, the, right. uh, with all the winners of the, the races um, here in uh, Broome County in the southern tier, instead of having all the stories on the front page of Wednesday morning's paper, it shows up now on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, no, it's ridiculous. I have one of these here iPads my daughter got me, you know, and uh, I get a lot of interesting stuff, but it's from people. You know, you go to YouTube, and like, uh, I got this here Ruger. It's a 22. It's a Mark II, and it's very difficult to take apart and put back together again, but I got all the information. Even the manual from Ruger is very is unbelievable. There's been guys that have taken the gun and brought it to the gunsmith in pieces. It was so bad. And now you get a lot of information, but you got to keep going through. You know, sometimes you get good, sometimes you get bad. And as far as the news goes, uh, just have the paper. Have bigger staff in there. I mean, for God's sakes, are you telling me they can't run something like that? And it doesn't have to be as big as the Times. Make it like the news in the mirror, right? Yeah, yeah, make it like that. But, but put something in it besides the crap. Well, and remember, it's not the fault of the local people. I want to stress this. The people who work for Gannett here in Binghamton or elsewhere in New York State or New Jersey or Iowa or Wisconsin, at all the Gannett sites, they're victims. They're as much victims as, as we, the news consumers, are because Johnny the Bean Counter, who runs Gannett, his focus is like lurching the company from one quarter to the next, as opposed to investing in the company's journalism, you know, rebuilding the journalistic infrastructure and planning for the future. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it's like you just said. That's what they got. It's like this guy, uh, Elon Musk now. You know, he's talking about bankruptcy and stuff like that. But that's what they do in business now. Well, see, that's another thing. I, I initially had mixed feelings about Elon Musk buying Twitter. I thought, well, eh, you know, I thought he was smarter than to throw away $44 billion on a business that, uh, for most of its history, hasn't made an annual profit. I guess I guess they started to have some profitable years. But Elon Musk, you know, just because he's the richest guy in the world doesn't mean he makes good decisions with his money. And now, sadly, over the past couple of weeks, he's been doing all sorts of bizarre things with Twitter. And he does have every right. I mean, he owns it. But I think the tragic thing is, at this point, he is... He's desperately close to taking what had been a semi-viable business and driving it right into the ground. Well, I'll tell you, Bob, he won't, and it's not going to be. He's going to what he's going to do is just realign. That's what he's going to do. But but now. here's the thing, and I know what he says, and I've been I'm very interested, and I although some people have quit Twitter because they don't like what's happened in the first several days, I'm not going to quit Twitter. I'm obviously, like everyone else, going to see what happens. And there is a possibility for some good things and exciting things ultimately to happen. I hope he still, even if he wants to expand the platform and find new ways to monetize it, I hope he still allows it to be basically a, a good 
communications medium for people to uh, share news stories and, and things like that. I hope he never takes it away from the basic initial purpose. Maybe he can expand the opportunities, but I hope still the basic premise of very short messages uh, to the world can be kept. Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you an example. It just happened this year. My daughter's on this chat thing, you know what I mean, with that with Twitter. And we had a cat. The cat's name was Henry. We had three legs. She rescued the cat. She would take him on tour when she was going on tour. She's in show business, like I told you. And the cat died this, um, oh, about uh, nine months ago, right? And then she's telling me she's gotten calls from Hawaii, you know, from, from Hawaii, you know, the chat from uh, where else, from overseas. I says, this cat has got people, you know, commemorating, I die. Nobody's going to be calling up from anywhere. But you could really, if you're separated from your your family and that, you could, it could be a very profitable thing. Just let me say that. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that you don't keep in touch with, right? Right. Actually, that's one of the interesting things, though, that I do like about Twitter. And I'm I'm not a big user of social media. And I joined Twitter yeah. reluctantly about a decade ago because I wanted to uh, occasionally promote some of the guests or special features on this program. So I remember when right. I started, I was like, eh, I don't really want to be involved in this. And ultimately, wound up getting um, quite a few followers, and that's a good thing. And yes. also, the, the thing that's interesting, some people that I, who I grew up with in Endwell and Endicott, now they follow me, and, you know, yes. until until Twitter, I really hadn't been in touch with some of them for, for many years, so they can kind of keep track, say some have moved out of state, they can keep track of some of the news stories going on around here, like, say, with the... Uh, demolition of the IBM Country Club or some of the other right, projects right. going on around the Triple Cities. And so, you know, it's it's sort of interesting that way. And I, I hope that can still be served with what we'll call the new Twitter. Well, if he doesn't become too political, you see, uh, the type of life that I led, uh, I really don't want the people to know where I'm at. That's a joke, Bob. <laughs> well, I, but okay. but that's true of some, you know. But I mean, I I get what you're saying, and and the thing yeah. is, I mean, a, a, a certain amount of uh, political content I think is important. But it, as no. much as as much as he talks about freedom of speech and you know and having a free flow of ideas, you still need some moderation because. In society today, especially for a global platform, all sorts of nefarious things could happen if it's not carefully controlled. I mean, people yes. people from outside I mean, I mean, the United States could wind up using Twitter to um, yeah. cause some, yeah. some very sad things in this country. Oh, definitely. Like I said with uh, Henry, when he died, I mean, this cat has been utilized, what is it, utilized all over the world. Yeah. From people that are in there who were on this thing. I says, how did they know, Marion? And, well, you know, she, it's a, the, is it Facebook? I don't know if it's Facebook or Twitter, but it's someplace where you get on and you tell, you know, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's that could be it, Bob, if they don't politicize it. Just do that. Let the people do it. And then they put the ads and stuff in there. And then, uh, you know what, maybe we, we could try to open up. How about a newspaper? You and I, we start a newspaper. 
I would love I to do that. Bucks. You know, I, I I've got a couple of bucks. I know a few other people who have a few bucks. Who knows? Maybe maybe we yeah. could put together a newspaper that could cover um, the region, say about a uh, fifty or seventy mile radius around Binghamton. So that would also include uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, which gets some of its coverage, of course, from Scranton. But basically. Yeah. Susquehanna County is sort of in the shadow between Binghamton and Scranton, so a lot of the things Bobby, that happen get, is... I don't get your station after 4.30 at nighttime now. Yeah, well, it's because of you know, the... Hey, but I would love to see you get one of those fedoras with that big press thing ah, in your hat. Maybe I'll... And sit on... What? I say, maybe I'll go buy one, because I, I, I think I, I could be, like, call myself Bobby Olson. Right. <laughs> and... You know what you do, too? You get a regular typewriter, and you buy yourself a cart in a lucky strike. And uh, Well, that that's a problem. I, I guess I would buy a carton of Luckies, but I never would smoke one. That's the weird thing in my life, and I, I still don't understand. I've never, ever, ever used any tobacco product, any, of any kind, for any reason. That's weird. No, I used a lot. And you know what? Kathy White could be um, the, the girl... And we'd get uh, John from Binghamton to be uh, Clark Kent. How about that? Uh, all right. Sounds like a plan. Hope you have a great weekend. You too, Bobby. Take care. Thanks, Lou. Hey, great. Great call from our friend in Susquehanna, Tom. 1148-607-772-1290. Still time, I bet, for you to get in under the wire. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. WNBF. Bob Joseph Live, WNBF, and WNBF. Dot com. Long as I remember being been coming down Clouds of mystery pouring Confusion on the ground Goodness through the ages Trying to find the sun And I wonder, still I wonder Who's got the rain WNBF, who will stop the rain? Stop it, please. Stop it. I don't want rain. And I know somebody will say, but Bob, it's beneficial rain. That's okay. It's too much. Stop it. I don't want any rain at all today, tomorrow, or the next day. Thank you. Back to the phones on a Friday morning. Joan in Binghamton. Good morning. Well, you can always take the uh, one inch to 13 inches of snow. I want neither. All I want is sunny and 68. Well, move. That's what I say. You're going to have to go someplace else. This doesn't. This is not the uh, the area for... Oh, we did have a nice summer, didn't we? Oh, it was. And actually, the last few weeks, I'll tell you, the last few weeks have been um, extraordinary. We've, we've, well, had, we've had bonus bonus weather, I think. We'll see if Weather Bell was right, and December turns out to be a real... Uh, cold and snowy slug but anyway what i was calling about i think uh, they were reporting that uh, biden was asked a question about elon musk and he answered that uh, 
that he uh, had um, the facility and the people to investigate him, which sounded kind of uh, from, you know, comments by people, you know, that sounds more totalitarian regime. In other words, you investigate the person instead of investigating the crime to find the person who did it. Well, why, why would Joe Biden investigate Elon Musk? What would the point well, be? He was asked a question by a reporter, and I didn't hear the didn't hear the question. I heard the uh, uh, a replay of the response, and Biden was saying that you know he had the facility and the people at his disposal that could do the job. Now, maybe you can dig it up and play it on Monday or something like that. You know, I, you know, I mean, Elon Musk is part of the De Beers family, you know, from South Africa and the diamond mines and sapphire mines and all that kind of stuff. So he definitely doesn't have any lack of uh, funds to defend himself. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, when you... Pick on somebody. Well, let, hold on. I uh, I found something over on the internet, and this okay. is uh, somebody tweeted from the MSNBC news channel. Oh and I my think God. this MSNBC. Oh. Well, that aside, don't rush mm-hmm. to judgment. Let's listen. Okay. This is All the. Right. Uh, this might be the thing that you were discussing. Hold on. Let's. Because I haven't had a chance to preview preview it. So hopefully, this is what uh, what everyone may have been talking about. Hold on. Mr. President, do you think Elon Musk is a threat to U.S. national security? And should the U.S., and with the tools you have, investigate his joint acquisition of Twitter with foreign governments, which include the Saudis? <laughs> I think that Elon Musk's cooperation and or technical relationships with other countries uh, is worthy of being looked at. Whether or not he is doing anything inappropriate, I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that it's worth being looked at. Uh, and, uh, um, and uh, But that's all I'll say. Well, there you go. That sounded painful. Yeah, sounded like the corrupt FBI that went after Trump is going to be going after DeVere's. Well, and, I don't know. That's uh, shocking to me. I'm glad you pointed that out. I'll have to find out more about what's going on. So thank you for bringing that up. I hope you have a great weekend. Oh, wait. Oh, oh no. We, I, I thought we had another minute. No, we are. Uh, sadly, we're out of time, but I appreciate your mentioning that so I can find out more about what, what the heck that was about. Yep. Thank you. Okay. It's the first time I ever heard of anything like that. Yeah, me too. Very odd. Bob Joseph Live, WNBF. Mission accomplished. Thank you very much for listening this week, and thank you for calling in. This is Bob Joseph. I will return Monday morning as we start another big week. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.